You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're talking about our sin nature. So this is one of those things that is clear and true when you look into Scripture. Uh, But what exactly does this mean for us? How do we define sin and what are the implications of our sin and our sin nature for us as people? And how does the gospel interact with it? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got the rest of our team, Joe Coffey, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey DiNardo. And our question today is, what does it mean that human beings have a sin nature? And so this is one of those topics that maybe is a little bit less popular, The maybe the younger you are, the idea that human beings have some sort of inherent brokenness or that they are Uh, anything other than good in some way, but it's also pretty clearly communicated in Scripture. And I think uh, the longer you live, the more you might find it to be true. So what exactly does that mean? What are the implications? Uh, And how should we as followers of Jesus think about the uh, inherent sinfulness of... Yeah, I was was saying before we started this podcast, uh, I remember a theologian, I forget who, who he was, but he said that the inherent sinfulness of man is the most provable Christian doctrine, because all—I mean, you just look at anybody. And then we were talking about little kids. I always think of Zach. He's used that illustration with his kids that when they takes when they would take someone else's toy, that was actually stealing. You know, you usually yeah. think, oh, it's just kids being kids. No, no, you—you you have a little thief. Grand larceny. Right. Yeah. You, you, yeah, that's right. It's all the kid had. It's the same crime. It's the same crime. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that every every child, uh, you just watch them. They're sinful. You don't have to teach them. No, to you do don't that. teach them. It, right. it comes out. It just comes yep. out. Yeah. I was uh, saying just before we came on too that you know we I was reading a book that was talking about George Orwell, who uh, was somebody who prior to World War II would have held to a belief that human beings are inherently good if you create the right social systems and we develop technology so that their physical and emotional needs are met. That humans would not damage each other that they'd be good and you can he the author of the book I was reading was talking about sin and juxtaposes these two quotations from Orwell one before World War II and one after that are essentially exact opposites before the war he's saying these things about humans being good after the war he's more or less saying there's no hope that yeah, there's the war broke him yeah 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 I think I would just say that sometimes this conversation about sin is hard for people because they I... misunderstand what what's being said so Believing that human beings are inherently sinful is not the same thing as saying they're incapable of good or that they will always choose the most evil mm-hmm. outcome. Instead, it, maybe a good analogy would be like a cancer that metastasizes, it spreads all over your body. And, and at a certain point when cancer spreads, it, you, you no longer really have liver cancer or lung cancer. You just have cancer. cancer. Yes. It's, it's spread, Ever. right? So every part of your body is affected by the cancer. But that doesn't mean uh, in the same way, right? So you might say, oh, you know, my liver is being destroyed by the cancer. My, my right fingers, you know, my, my fingers and my hands are fine. They, they're functioning right. fine. They're both affected by the cancer, but not in the same way. When we say humans are inherently sinful, we're saying sin affects everything about a human. We're shot through with sin. It's not just a little problem. It, it's completely and utterly over us. But that's not. that doesn't mean that our conscience is broken, that we're incapable of altruism or of putting others first. It just means that at all times, we are under this 
the, the control and sway uh, and effect of this disease called sin. But at the same time, as a Christian, if there's no space that you can see that you have any issues with sin in your life, or I don't know, I mean, I feel like that also is something to be wary of because we should, I mean, hopefully be even asking God to reveal to us where are my areas where I'm struggling with sin or where I'm um, just could be tempted in this way or am affected by it. I mean, because sin can affect us from the outside in of things done to us or that this world has, you know, the brokenness of the world and sin in the world impacts us or that we also do. But Yeah, sometimes that's just a bad, like it's a bad definition of sin. So if sin becomes breaking a rule, if that's right, what sin is, right then sometimes you don't feel like you're affected by sin because you don't know the rule, yeah. <laughs> right? So you say, as long mm-hmm. as I don't know any rules, I'm not Ignorance I'm not breaking bliss, any yeah. rules, right? But if I think a better understanding of sin would be that the very first sin, Adam and Eve eating from the tree that God had told them not to eat of, comes from a place of distrust. The yep. snake says, hey, God doesn't want good things for you, wants bad things for you, and, and don't trust God, and they decide to not trust God. So if sin is breaking a rule, you are somewhat... Uh, held to the standard of the rules you know. But if sin is not trusting, if I said, so there's no area of your life where you're not not trusting, trusting where you're not seeking God's leadership, and well, no, of course not. Well, okay, well, then it's just a problem of definition. When we say human beings are inherently sinful, what we're really saying is that we are born with this inherent distrust of God, this illogical, nonsensical distrust of the one who made us. Yes, like sin is the... Uh, in, inherent desire to be autonomous, yes. to yeah. not have to right. submit to the authority of God in my life, to not have to turn over areas of my life to Him, yeah. independent of what He says. So in that them. way, even a good thing can become a yeah, sinful thing absolutely. if the purpose of the good thing is substantiating your own worth. Yep. I don't need God to say, I'm good, be, yeah. I'm saying I'm good. Yeah, and sin plays itself out in a in a, a thousand different ways that we usually don't take the time to try to think through. Right, like I, I was thinking, when, you know, when Stacy said you know, we ought to be asking God to reveal our sin to us, I was thinking, you know, in the mornings sometimes I will sit with my journal and try to think through the day before, and it's so painful hmm. to think through some of the things that I said, why I said them. But you know, then to Zach's point, you have to then I have to take those things that I said that I end up thinking. I should not have said that, and then back that all you know. Do a Keep deconstruction on that until I get to this is where I quit trusting God. This is why I said that because I felt like I needed to defend myself because I didn't trust God to defend me, or this is how I had to prove my worth because I don't trust the worth that He says I have. You know all of that. So I just think sin is, you know, it's much more prevalent. The, yeah, in my yeah, life yeah. than I give it credit for. I, t- I tend yeah, to think care, of the big sins admit, that yeah. Yeah, that are obvious that you yeah. know that yeah. everybody around me would yeah. say, yeah. "Oh, Joe just blew, just he just blew it. That's a sin." And part of, part of the reason that's important is because how you fight it. If sin only becomes these few big things exactly. that you right. do, then you say, "Well, the way I fight sin is I just don't do those big things." Or even As, if it becomes a sort of ticky tack list of yeah. do's and don'ts and rules and yeah, which for know. some people are super easy. It's like you give me any, you know, you give certain kinds of people a to do list, or a, in this case, to-don't a to list. don't list, and and they'll crush that. But it's not necessarily because of a heart posture Ex- yeah. towards God, and that's why if sin is inherent mistrust of God, then the way you fight sin fundamentally is not by running away from sin 
but by running to to God, God, right? right? Convincing yourself of the trustworthiness of God, which will then lead to doing the kinds of things that that follow from from trusting God. And that's where, you know, I tell people all the time, if you know, if I meet with a guy who's struggling with pornography, I say, as long as you're sitting in my office going, don't look at pornography, don't look at pornography, you, you, you're, even if you are somehow successful, you haven't achieved the actual goal. The goal here is greater love and trust in God. So we have to do is say- Belief well, that his plan for the way yeah, you so what would it look like to get there? Yeah, because I'm not sure you leave here just saying that over and over again. You it's might leave work. here not breaking a rule, but you're not leaving here necessarily any closer to trusting God. Well, so, and what, even the the rule thing can be counterintuitive in the sense that it can actually be a way to enforce. For some people, it's a way to enforce your autonomy absolutely from, from God, God right. to yeah. say, "I have done all that you asked me to do. You know, now well, that, give me what I want." It's interesting when you read. You know, I think in Romans with Paul. Yep. He was oh. a, a rule follower who was very successful, and he talked about all the in the commandment that crushed him was do not covet, which is a heart thing that he couldn't make a rule for. He couldn't figure out exactly. And coveting is always uh, something about that connects me to either trusting God or not trusting Him. But you know that was Paul's Achilles' heel that finally showed him his desperate kind of wretchedness, and him saying, "Oh, you know, this is this is my problem." I'm a sinner that's because I, I covet. I can't stop doing this. So I've been working through um, the regeneration curriculum with a friend of mine. And in that process, it does a really good job of like having you unpack and figure out your own heart issues in some areas. But again, like just to the point of very good or things that we can think are very good, air quotes on that, is just going, you know, for me, I keep going back to like, ultimately, I feel like my own need to control things or sense of control, which means that I have a, a household where things are running well and right, right. I have kids that are doing work, great yeah. things. And, you know, but it like ultimately you peel back the layers. It's like I'm thinking I'm in control of these things instead of really trusting God or letting go. Right. So again, I just think sin can, it, it's, yeah, there, we've all got it. We yeah, all it, deal with it in it different be, ways. I mean, it can be something like uh, you can be very, very kind, patient person and do that in order for people to like you. Yeah, yeah. So because you're living in fear. I mean, there's people yeah, yeah, there's motives. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's tough to, once you start to really try to look at your motives, you always end up back with and this thing between you and God. One thing that, something that's interesting is that uh, if you look at sin with a definition of distrust or exercising autonomy, I think the gospel and the concept of heaven and hell makes way more sense. Whereas, you know, I could see an argument for saying, okay, so you're telling me that, you know, I sin once, I, I say the wrong word, and right. God's sending me to hell because of that. It's like you got, I'm going to hell on a technicality here. Right, right, right. When in reality, if the root of sin is you saying to God with your whole life, I don't need you, I don't yeah. want you, stay out of my, my business, essentially, then that makes way more sense. Right. We're doing the whole series on Jesus, the one true yeah, king, yeah. and sin in any place in my life is me saying to I'm Jesus, yeah, you're yeah. not king, not in this area. I know you You want me to do this. I'm going to do that. And I, to your point, Jimmy, I think, you know, why would somebody say, I want to go to a place for all of eternity where Jesus is king when I wouldn't let him be king at all right. on earth? You know, that doesn't make any, you know, that's the thing that people don't realize too. C.S. Lewis would bring this up, that, <clears throat> that heaven really is hell for somebody who doesn't want Jesus to be king. Right. If you don't want God to be God, 
you're not going to like it there. Yeah, heaven's the place you don't want to be. Well, isn't it in The Great Divorce, the the book that C.S. Lewis wrote, mm. which is basically a story about, uh, or it's an allegory about a bunch of people who get on a bus from hell and come to heaven, right. and they don't like it. They're yeah, like, they don't want to Take stay. us home. Take right. us back yeah. where, where yeah. we were. It was too painful for them, yeah. Well, this is a downer talking about sin. I think just bringing in that, <laughs> that there is grace, though. I mean, that's like yeah. what God, what Jesus has done for us is unbelievable. And so it, we're not left in our brokenness. We're not left in yeah, that's our true. sin. Yeah, so, and on that note, like really poor definitions of sin yeah. that lead to us minimizing our sin problem in the end produce poor appreciation for grace. Yep. Yeah. Right? So... If my fundamental problem is that I've sometimes in the past broken obscure rules, then my appreciation for grace is going to be very minimal. If my problem is I was born into a world of mistrust in God, and I've participated in that, even though God has proven to be kind and loving and caring and powerful and wise, uh, well, then my, my need for grace is huge. And thus, my appreciation for grace is going to be huge. So, you know, it, it, it might be, it seems counterintuitive, but it might be that if you're in a cold place towards God, mm. maybe the way to draw close to Him is in some ways to draw close to your sin, to become more and more aware of your great need for His grace so that when He supplies it generously, you, you feel His affection. Yeah, one of the quotes that I uh, remember as reading one time, is that uh, most of us only pretend to be sinners so we can only pretend to be forgiven. And I think I do that sometimes where I need to, to Zach's point, the deeper we we understand our sin, uh, the more wonderful grace becomes and the more we can be free to live in grace. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.